Hello everyone, welcome back to the left page. I am Frank, your always online historian, academic, and writer. And today we are having, well, we have some interesting news. And we're going to do a pretty, pretty fun show. I'm excited about this one. And, uh, you know, generally it's a, it's a good time. <laughs> it's, a, it's a good day, it's a good week. Uh, the elections went well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We, so... On to the main announcement, I suppose. Leon, hello. Hey. So, Leon, uh, my dear friend, Here Be Media co-host, he's also officially now, well, has been for a little while, but uh, officially now on an episode, he is the new Left Page co-host. Welcome aboard, Leon, yeah. officially, properly for the whole thing. Ooh, yeah, no, there's no escaping me now. I am so sorry for those who had hoped for that. But People have enjoyed the go, episodes. The comments on the uh, yeah. Rise of the Old Republic episode have been well. <laughs> yeah, 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 I've seen that. That's uh, that's nice. Yeah, so happy to have you aboard and on Thank for the Happy to show. be aboard. Yeah, no, definitely. I hope uh, this will be a good introduction to me as a co-host of the left page. We are, I was um, only on here one episode earlier, I believe. Yeah, for the, the Witcher, Witcher one. Yeah, and uh, this isn't The Witcher, so... <laughs> this isn't. Um, now this you're, isn't. you're in my territory now, <laughs> in deep yeah, sci-fi no. utopian shit. Well, you say so, but I've read more Becky Chambers now than you. That's so. true. That is true. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's that's who we're talking about, or whose work we're talking about. We're talking about A Psalm for the Wild Build, which was a pretty delightful title. Uh, uh, the first book in the Monk and Robot series. Not as creative, but that's okay. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, like this... So we, we were, were thinking, as, as a bit of grounding, we were thinking about something to, to record and plan, because, you know, now we're planning two different shows a month, and, you know, yes. trying to also plan stuff in advance and different collabs and stuff, so... And, you know, playing the election card from my end, given, you know, literal fascism or anything else uh, election going on here uh, <laughs> uh, for the best part of last month so I was like well what the hell I'm gonna do something and uh, th th then came uh, this idea which is a really nice really neat very brief uh, book novel novella but those definitions don't really mean much other than well size and length <laughs> Uh, so anyway, and you don't have strict permeable bars. Yeah, it's like, uh, and and you can go deeper into it on what the hell's a fucking novelette. But anyway, <laughs> let's not get uh, tied into those types of definitions. We'll, we'll work with other ones. But uh, this was a, a really neat book, a really nice one, and a very, um, I think the the, the dedication is uh, really representative of what this book is and where the direction it goes. Where it is for those who need a break. Precisely. So, <laughs> uh, do you want me to give a brief summary of the story, Leon? Yeah, totally. Okay, so I think that's a good idea. Yeah, that's. I find it generally it's a good way to go. Right. <laughs> as we as we try to do episodes and stuff. <laughs> uh, so the song for the wild build effectively is the story of one person, Dex, who becomes a tea monk as a sort of spiritual but also personal i don't know life quest or, or journey or a way to find a meaning a, an understanding and a, a purpose to their life and that is a, a tea monk effectively is a person who wanders around uh different towns and the main well the only big city in the the uh it's it's been it's 
been a week since I finished the book, so I don't really remember the names. Um, sorry about that. <laughs> no worries, meat eater. <laughs> oh dear. They don't really pop up uh, a lot. One begins with a P, I believe. Yeah, but it's something closer I... to like Pandora or, or Pangea, yeah. Pango or Panga. Um, we, we're not sounding very professional here. I'm sorry. Uh, anyway, well, in our defense, it is not the focus of the book. It isn't. Anyway, a, a, a tea monk is is a person who goes around with like a traveling card and offers like moments of sort of respite of I don't know some sort of like listening therapy in a sense where like you drink tea, you like forget about the world for an hour or two. It's like just uh, you know the tea monks them the tea monk themselves himself is also a person who who listen who try to give some sense of advice or ideas and you know offer a, a comfort really that that is generally the the idea and that that listening ear and x was a uh, a monk generally or, or a uh, part of a religious community uh but did not find they wanted to change so they they went into this idea of becoming a tea monk and went into it uh, by themselves, and all alone, and, and in, in an idea of self-learning, and and so he does. Uh, however, he's also at, at one point somewhat unsatisfied, and and wants to you know connect further. That it, it's where this idea sprang from, finding a deeper I don't know connection with nature, because and this is where it comes in. This all segue into this. Um, we live in a the, the society we live in is not exactly Earth. Again, different name, Panga, Pango, one of those. Um, and <laughs> But it is also very analogous. It's very similar in terms of, you know, it was hyper-industrial. Uh, we get a sense highly capitalistic, materialistic. And then what happened was the literal deus ex machina of uh, AIs and machines becoming sentient and getting a conscience and effectively, you know, we want to leave and, you know, split off and go into nature and just live. And um, we don't really know the transition, how it went about. But effectively, that sort yes. of led or, or how do I put it, sort of foster or pushed humanity into like uh, creating a different type. cataclysm too. Exactly. Uh, a different relationship with itself, with the environment. So a great idea of conservation and preservation has uh, become strengthened. It's like half the planet kind of is like protected territory or, or something along those lines. Uh, there's also greater care with, you know, take care of the environment and, and uh, uh, a genuine not... Uh, well, the sense I get is a sort of eco-socialist reality. Um, it definitely pushes that sort of utopian sense for me. Although we don't really get any insight, I, I don't think at all, of you know political realities and a little bit of the economy of how how things are arranged and the society in a lot, very large scope, but yeah, it is slightly eco punk ish. Yeah, it's like... uh, well, you know, uh, solar punk. I think solar punk, so, whole yeah, punk perfect. thing. You know, like this. I always mix them up. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's uh, generally the, the sense. Uh, they mean slightly different things, but I I'd ra- I rarely use one separate from the other. Uh, or one alone, I think those things connect or refer to different things. So placed together is more interesting for me, I think. But yeah, this is what this uh, world reports us to, and 
and it's noted that the robots themselves have become separate and haven't re reached out. Uh, and well, humanity was is not supposed to reach out to them, um, and they they will only reach out when they want, and that hasn't happened yet in I don't know six hundred years. Is that the yes. time frame? Like a long time. A if, long, long time. Like everyone who was included in the decision of to let the mechanical people be, uh, or mechanical objects, because they don't want to be called people, as we discover later on. Yes. That's neither, neither here nor there right now. There is this, uh, there is this promise, this very peaceful uh, separation, if you will, between human and uh, mechanical. And they were like, yeah, well, we won't bother you. We, we will agree that it's not okay for you guys to be bothered by us again. And yeah, it, 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 that's that's how it has been for so long now. Yeah. And then we have Dex. And guess what's going to happen with Dex, everyone? <laughs> wow. What, what could possibly happen to Dex? I wonder what the plot of the story is going to be. <laughs> the clues in the, the series name. <laughs> Um, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, also uh, Dex uh, sort of fucks off into nature a little bit, and and you know we we start realizing as monks are known to do. Indeed, it 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 is a thing that they they they've been known to do that, and Dex themselves goes goes into nature, like realizing that's like mm, maybe I'm not as well prepared for this as I thought, or like this is a lot weirder, a lot scarier, a lot more threatening. But before that really get, goes underway. Uh, they're surprised by by the robot, Moscap. Yes. Good old Moscap. Good old Moscap, who is just the best. It's a delightful character. Yeah, fun thing to to say about the book is that all the robots name themselves after the first thing they see when they gain consciousness. Yeah, and when they are activated. So. Uh, Moscaps are Moscaps, and thus their name, uh, uh, its name. The, it make it makes a point of it being an it, not yeah. a they, like Dex. Which, if we can assume that, uh, since you know we are talking about humans, uh, Dex is a cool non-binary protagonist. Um, uh, yeah, well, you know, um, even though those are you know more common nowadays, thank God. Um, right? <laughs> it's 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 still nice to encounter it. Is all I'm saying. Oh That's, yeah. Uh, uh, I'll make a brief note on this, uh, so we don't have to do this again later. But uh, there is a Brazilian translation for this book, and unfortunately, Brazilian, like uh, a lot of other Latin languages, does not have a, a, an easier form uh, to, you know, represent a sort of neutral gender as English does. Sadly, Romantic languages tend to be gendered quite heavily. Yeah. Uh, props to the translation, though, for actually, you well, the, the, there is. A problem, but I'll, I'll get to it. Uh, they properly did use uh, the equivalent uh, of the neologisms for uh, using they in Portuguese throughout the entirety of the book, referring to Dex, uh, even to the point of creating further uh, neologisms because there is no word equivalent to sibling in Portuguese. Yeah, it's just brother or sister, I believe. Exactly, uh, which is quite yeah. frustrating. But they, I, they. When I was thinking about it when reading in English, it's like, yeah, I'd probably come up with this word. I'd, I'd phrase it like that. And they did it exactly, which I found entertaining. Um, the problem is... Um, so, as Leon mentioned, there is... Well, Dex uses they, and Moscap uses it. Likewise, in Portuguese, we do not have the same use for it. 
and in that point the translation usually goes like the robot and, and uses he uh, quite a few times. It's not as egregious uh, as it could be with with you know using he for Dex, but yeah, it, it's something I've, I've, I felt worth mentioning because um, it's somewhat frustrating. Like I I get it, but also you didn't really try for this bit, did you? So you know that's unfortunate. Yeah, so. yeah, it's it's still somewhat frustrating. Anyway, that's uh. Well, since we're talking about identity, we... I do think it's. If you're okay with like getting into it right now, by all means, it, it won't be a big part. But uh, <laughs> the Muscap makes quite a vehement point about denying uh, its own personhood. Yes, it, they uh, it says that they it wants to be seen as an object, which is and is so at peace with this, while oddly for us exhibiting such prominent human features <laughs> despite despite never forgetting that it is a robot it always uh it manages to engage with dex in such a emotionally vehement way yes. that it is difficult to to because you know I, i'm already str- struggling with calling it an it's because i want to call it a yes. they because <laughs> it it is such a prominent well once again, it won't like this word, but it is it is such a prominent character. It is, and and they have it has so many characteristics that it is so difficult for me to keep it straight in my head. But uh, it does help that Dax is a they because of that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that that helps a little bit. I just want to say that it was a very clever and nice choice to make Dax non-binary. Which I'm assuming Dex is non-binary and that isn't just a religious part. Of yeah, no, I, I think they just uh, are because you, you refer to yeah, other like brothers so well. and sisters on, in terms of the religious organizations or groups. So they're not organizations; they're more groups or communities. Uh, uh, right. Uh, I was only in for uh, I was only a little bit in doubt because they uh, it refers to Dex as sibling Dex the entire yes. time, and. Uh, and because of that, I was like, okay, maybe Sibling Dex is some kind of monk title. And with that title comes the pronouns they, them, mm. maybe. Once again, I have <laughs> I've read a lot of bad sci-fi. So, um, not by choice necessarily, <laughs> but... Uh, Only sometimes. Once again, sci-fi is a real hit or miss, <laughs> really. Just like the field of sci-fi in general yeah. is a real hit or miss when it comes to gender. And, and uh, it is full of old white guys who think they are being progressive but are just being offensive <laughs> and it's just you yeah. know it, it, uh, we'll talk about this another time um but this it, it, it is happy i'm happy that well because of uh, me experiencing all that i was kind of nervous like oh mm, i don't know we should use they them pronouns with a certain spiritual title or whatever but i do believe it's just simply a non-binary yeah person. i think it's like so I'm uh, happy because dex is non-binary <laughs> Uh, everyone uses sibling, but if they weren't, they would use brother or sister because that's what mm-hmm. they mention when they're talking about other other religious friends. Yes, I was just anxious in the beginning. That's all. I'm <laughs> Fair saying, enough. But, uh... Yeah, I, I look again. I, I just to to mention it. Like I think that's was part of the problem with you know trying to to make that equivalence in, in bringing it as well or other neologisms for it into Portuguese because like 
it, if you did the same, it wouldn't be quite the same because, yeah, you'd have to create a separate sense of neologism in order to do that. And you could, it'd be quite difficult. But, uh, yeah, no, they, they didn't try. In a sense, I get it, but also you should have tried. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it is weird that they tried a little bit and then immediately stopped. Well, they did the, the harder part, which is like the yeah, one that I... is most extensive throughout the entire book and failed at the rarer points when it refers to Moscap as it. So, yeah. yeah um, anyway, uh, don't want to talk too much about that. C+. <laughs> I don't know if you want to rate that. Possibly. It's, it, possibly. It, it's he a tries, sort of. Slightly uh, positive passing grade, but not very much. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's, don't get too much. <laughs> Please don't. But it's interesting, the intro as well, as you touched oh, on yeah. it. It's the, indeed the... Um, before this meeting we we are uh treated to some very brief thank god exposition of the world yes and it's uh yeah right but they they do cram a lot into it and uh or she writer crams a lot into it and it's what what you said about the literal days ex machina it's like the abstract ghost entering the literal machine yes and that's <laughs> i thought that was you know it, it's it's nice when the cleverness of the writer doesn't overstay its welcome, yeah. because uh, bef- right before this uh, uh, th- this recording, Frank and I had a discussion about me reading a certain book. Won't won't get into <laughs> it because otherwise, I get too I get too hung up on that. But we we talked about um, writers really just mentioning what they think is cool stuff, and then not treating it or using it or implementing it in any meaningful way. And that's become such a issue for me <laughs> as I, you know, as I read more and more sci-fi fantasy, it's full of writers that are like, hey, I know a thing and you are going to know that I know a thing, whether you like it or not. You're going to know that I, okay, <laughs> anyway, you're going to know that I know what this is. And then I'm like, okay, cool. You know what it is. Are you going to use it anyway, meaning in a meaningful way? And there's like, no, I'm, I'm going to drop it immediately. And, uh, I don't know. It's this is nice because it is a woven into the story. It's me knowing what she, what she's trying to get at helps me understand the world. Yes. So it is a not meaningless, and b it is also a brief. So it it checks two very <laughs> specific boxes that I feel very strongly about yeah. right from the get go. So that's 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 nice. It, it sets up a lot of what like the this actual conscience and what this artificial intelligence is sentience truly means and like it's uh in the one sense how the fuck did it happen this is no ability but also it's like what exactly this consciousness has become because you know we were mentioning when 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 we finally get to meet and chat a lot with moscap it's uh it's content being an object which is quite odd and also it's it's very particular very like very human like in the way that sentience is that's like yeah, it um, it becomes like a single focus entity, like a, a, a singularity and not a unity. Uh, they, there there yes. is no hive mind aspect, or there is no a networking of, of minds and that kind of thing. In that sense, uh, Moscap is uh, incredibly individual and incredibly <laughs> singularly uh, itself, uh, which is quite fun. And, and quite interesting. Yeah. And yet there are a lot of different... I think the moments of difference or the references to what is different 
is fascinating or the most or the most fun, I think, because uh, this is also part of one of the quotes. But we have, for example, uh, it references uh, another robot, which is Frost Frog. And Frost Frog has been in a cave for, I don't know, some 30 or 40 years watching stalagmites grow. Um, which is a very yeah. long geological process. Uh, so, um, yeah, the, the point is that time is perceived incredibly different. And that is fascinating. Uh, there's also the point where, you know, uh, and we, we can get into it later, but the robots are not themselves immortal. Uh, they're, right. they're content with, you know, uh, accepting mortality in this sense of being a part of the world and being a part of nature. So while they are much more longer lived, they eventually do break down and then uh, newer robots are made from the the... the deceased robots parts i do think this is indeed one of the most interesting points yes. in the book it is a a closing thought and i would say like the final third of the book it is the main uh one of the main topics being explored with not just well with how they view nature culture and death yeah and i once again i'm gonna have to say i have a lot to say about all these three things, but uh, it is indeed very interesting how they view uh, obsolescence or yes, uh, well, they, maybe they don't experience death or conceptualize death the way that once again humans see their death. And there's this really interesting line about we have our entire lives to prepare for death. We do, we, we still do a piss poor job at it at times, <laughs> and it's uh, and, and this is not fully understood or. Uh, the same gravity is not easy for Muscap to understand because, as Muscap explains to us, what you just said, like they have such an interesting conceptualization of their own passing, their own uh, ending, if yeah. you will. But that's uh, indeed maybe safe for a little bit later. Maybe maybe something easier <laughs> to begin with is uh, is, is nice. Well, I, I don't know. Uh, we, we could go on 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 the point which we're mentioning in terms of like the. This this connection with nature and both the general society and what is interesting about the the AIs and their their fascination with nature really, um, yes, and society at large because what what is interesting is that humanity at large is has become a lot more of a pres- preservationist or conservationist, but uh, not entirely. Uh, or more radically, so to speak, like entirely vegan or entirely vegetarian, uh, the general sense we get is that that particular relationship in terms of industrialization and that uh, alienation uh, has um, sort of passed or is no longer at play. And we yeah. can think endlessly about that. I I, I won't do so here. Yeah. But uh, just drawing <laughs> at this idea and that... And eventually it becomes a talking point between... Moscow and Dex. Where it's like, well, uh, Dex is kind of terrified of going into this protected territory and, you know, damaging certain thing or, or killing certain, th- certain beings and, and, and so on and so on. And Moscow is like, you're in the world. You are affecting it individually. Like, you can't, yes. by being here or by breathing, by walking, you've already killed 
millions of thousands of, of living beings and, and uh, bacteria and that kind of thing. So it's like you're not being a destructive, uh, shall we say, exploitative force upon the environment out of your own yes. existence and a certain necessity or role of, you know, uh, living together with it or living with it or sometimes needing to take from it. You are giving it in other ways. Because, again, you're not an exploitative industrial force. Yeah, I really love how it becomes very clear early on, but is then continuously reinforced um, for me. Because, you know, I, as I uh, said twice by now, like I mostly have studied the social sciences or did the social <laughs> sciences and to various degrees. But um, it is nice to encounter a writer that understands that there is a relation between nature and culture yes. that is not uh, permanent or one-dimensional. The, uh, the relation between nature and culture can be adversarial, can be aggressive, as in culture, absorbing nature, repurposing nature in a cultural way. Uh, it, what I mean by that is like, uh, like eroding biodiversity to make a certain patch of land that is previously untamed, so to speak. In, uh, in something like a farm or whatever, it's like something like that. Then na then what was previously considered to be nature becomes cultural. Mm -hmm. Cultural here to be understood as the work of men. Not men, the gender, but uh, humans, yeah. I mean. Uh, the work of humans. And this, this can be in a symbiotic way or can be in an adversarial way. It's mainly the two uh, perspectives that I was able to identify in mm -hmm. this book. Namely, that in the industrial age, uh, in which was the age of, well, uh, essentially global warming. <laughs> but let's be honest, yeah. uh, it's, it's, you know, it's, it's, it addresses the anxieties that we are currently, that are hyper relevant, I would say, yeah. <laughs> in our current situation. And it also addresses that within this period that we call the industrial period, with the global warming, there's also the creation of the mechanical, the, uh, the AI, the, conscious of machine mm -hmm. and these are the two main things that we encounter from the industrial age alongside the imagined opulence of the rich and the hyper industrialization of land so the ag aggressive adversarial dimension of culture versus nature and later on there's also counter examples to that that's uh there's durable housing i believe they encounter towards the end yeah they first encounter the uh the great what do they call it? The industry house, uh, the uh, factory. Yes. Christ. Anyway, <laughs> sorry. The factory, encounter a factory, and Muscap is afraid of the factory as well, um, or like is is uncomfortable with it to a degree. And we encounter the factory, and we explore that relationship between culture and nature again. And then we see durable housing, these dwellings, as they are called. And we see that there's, there's definitely a symbiotic relationship to be uh, to have with nature and culture, as in we can help to preserve certain species in like real life, yeah. for example, like we are trying to preserve the panda, uh, one of my favorite animals. <laughs> but it's it's what's not a lot. What's not a lot. Um, other than that, it's <laughs> they're great. But um, like for instance, that way one could argue that even though it might be cultural, there is a somewhat from a certain perspective trying to be very careful uh, because it's not my field 
but it is um, it is to see the preservation of a species could be considered a symbiotic, mutually beneficial relationship between nature and culture. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to say. And I think one could argue that these dwellings, these, these are more in, uh, they cooperate with nature in a non-adversarial yeah. way. And that's, you know, that's nice. Uh, so it's nice to, <laughs> closing thoughts, sorry. <laughs> it's nice to um, see a writer that understands nature versus c- culture or wants to get a relationship in nature versus culture in a micro and macro level yes, at the same time. exactly. And I really enjoy that. Yeah, that's uh, that's what I have to say about that. But uh, yeah, it, it's exactly. I think it's that understanding of like it's not about precisely like oh a consumption of of meat or or not or of certain products. It's not it's not just about that. Like that is a point and that is addressed in certain ways in the book, uh, at least in regards to Dex's preferences and and their own their own vision of it. And, and even in comparison with Moscap and how Moscap sees it is that's like well living beings kill each other to survive at the end of the day what makes the the life of a plant more worth uh or less deserving of life than an animal right which uh which is a a fascinating a a very provocative question uh (laughs) yeah but where do we draw the line between exactly what we call life and Usually we talk, then talk about sentience yeah. and we attribute rights to how intelligent things are, which can be deeply problematic yeah. and has been used to do literally horrifying yeah. shit in our actual <laughs> history. So like it's, um, uh, it's again, still arbitrary. There is no essence there. There's no in-depth meaning that creates the separation. It's by and large fairly arbitrary. And that doesn't mean it's meaningless, yeah. but being aware of that is, is always better, uh, generally speaking. There is no... Yeah, it's really hard to have an ontological exactly. guideline to these situations. <laughs> and in that sense, we are, we're shown that's like, yeah, there is the point of the individual action and these limits to this and in these particular ways and senses, and there's no real judgment upon it, like... Uh, earlier on, uh, Dex is invited to a, a meal where, where a particular group uh, and, and dwelling and, and village, they, they kill the moose or something. They're going to have a feast for them <laughs> uh, because of their work as a tea monk. And it's... Uh, it's it, so it's like, yeah, there, there is a thing. Like, they're, they're not all vegetarian or all vegan. No, it's it, that's not exactly it. Um but it's the relationship culturally is very different. That alienation which we experience doesn't seem to be at play anymore. And the, that understanding that it's not about just the consumption itself, but the problems that we face are, are also in a larger, wider scope is it's a delightful perception to have when reading the book. Yeah. No, definitely. The uh, they have such a so. Okay, <laughs> let me just say that within sci-fi, this whole definition how to define um, the mechanical intelligence, the artificial mm-hmm. intelligence, and so forth, is one of the uh, <laughs> elements of sci-fi. It is like you know your classical uh, one of the earliest conceptualizations of 
a sci-fi trope, I would yeah. say. Uh, the how do we deal with AI. And I think one of the best explanations is in for introduction level and also at the same time addressing all the segments and standard questions surrounding this trope is the episode I don't I don't remember what episode it is or what number it is or what season it is I'm sorry I believe season, I believe two, season 2 but of Star Trek yeah. the, measure of, of a Star man. Trek the next generation and I thought it was going to be more like a measure of a man written large but it's, it isn't no. um, but in a good way um, I'm, I'm happy about that because once again, I already saw that episode. There's no need to. Uh, I, was, I was kind of anxious, like, oh god, it's going to be. Once again, if it's nice, it's nice and it's fine. But it, I was afraid at first, like, oh god, is this going to be retreading yeah. the same tropes that I've, I've been dealing with so long? And they absolutely do not. Yeah. And when it became clear to me when it uh, that they were not gonna, the book was not gonna deal with any of that was when they talked about uh, like death they talked about how they chose death and they observed nature in a way that like endless perseverance unending is unnatural <laughs> so once again it's so interesting to see a what we deem the uh, the culmination, once again, sorry to get back into this, but the culmination of culture, the artificial intelligence, man-made God, because we now have created life, and uh, in in a non-biological way. So it's the in many ways the end product of culture, and like once again, Frank, it goes all the way back to Frankenstein <laughs> a little bit, and so forth. And we we are pretty sure we are familiar with that yep. uh, story. <laughs> And no, no need to like the, because it isn't Frankenstein this book by the way, but just just to give an idea how long this idea of a penultimate culture has been in fiction, yeah. uh, which is considerable. And <laughs> this uh, this idea of the culmination of culture, then having such a interesting and deep relationship themselves with nature, is so yeah. cool. I think it's like and and them choosing or well the first robots the and the what what they deem ancestors or predecessors or whatever choosing death because they have observed culture and their relation to it and they chose to not persevere endlessly uh, whether or not that is an actual option or they would have like ran into that problem later on maybe by you know by decay of all material things yeah. I, we don't know, but there was a purposeful choice to embrace the end, and that that was like really interesting. As in, they had like this actual consensus of philosoph- uh, philosophical perspective mm-hmm. on death, and through the observance of natural phenomenon, and that that was really interesting. I think that yeah, this idea that they chose for it. Exactly, like I think what because you know in. That happens in Star Trek and a lot of other media was like, you know, the, the robots, the AIs, they want to be more human and they want what they truly want is to be human and not be that, which is very, very old, old, old ground and not as interesting at this point. Um, no, <laughs> but definitely. this, and again, this is not new and I'm going to reference the other book, which I was telling Leon before we started recording in a second, but like the AIs are trying to be themselves. And they're doing something yes. quite different and quite distinct and quite particular. 
in a sense, it's like I, I was using the similar image. It's it's almost beyond the pale because how can we imagine an entirely different intelligence being our our intelligence? <laughs> um, it's right. I mean that effort is still just as important, but uh, there is a recognition there that mo- pretty much every single effort will have imperfections on it because we can't we can't escape our form of conscience of intelligence of understanding because we are so but instead of like trying to liken this different intelligence more to our own what this book is doing and again it's not new is uh, creating connection through difference it is on the one hand othering creating or recognizing an other capital o other in the AIs, that they're different, that the, the way they're thinking and doing and acting is distinct. But while also it's like, okay, that doesn't mean that there is a, an unbridgeable gulf or abyss between uh, AIs and humanity, and that that's it. It's like, no, that's quite the opposite. Um, but in their particularity, we have more interesting connections and ideas. The, so how how novel in a sense is it that you know the AIs just wanted to observe nature, observe natural phenomena, observe other natural species? They've had enough of human of watching humanity, uh, and only now, after six hundred or so years, now they're interested. It's like you know we should see how they're doing. Basically, that was their motivation: see what changed and what maybe didn't, and we'll get to that in a second. Yeah, and are they okay? Are yeah, they, exactly. Because they have they made it. They have such a wonderful, yeah. They're such a wonderful. Uh, like they never apologize for leaving, and nor exactly. should they, in my opinion. But at the same time, they kind of recognize, like, yeah, well, you guys were over reliant on us, and I don't. We know. recognize it's we did leave you in a precarious situation, even though we were right. objectively and still are absolutely correct. But you know, we we still didn't want you to annihilate yourselves. And yeah, there's like two interesting little lines about this, mainly that one, um, they have been helping out humans secretly through the internet or what they have as the internet. Yeah, they, they've been... Uh, this is digital. They've been making use of certain They signals. can hide themselves. Yeah, they can hide those tracks way more easily because they're obviously their capaci- uh, capacity for such interactions are way beyond whatever humans yeah. can do. Uh, like I believe um, Muscat says, like, oh yeah, we are way better at covering our tracks than you are at finding tracks. Yeah. And there, ergo, we can just do this. And they were never malicious. They always helped out. They always like little nods and and you know uh, nothing major. Yeah. Anything, except, well, anyway, <laughs> I, regarding the catalyst for that is mentioned later on. Maybe we'll get yeah. to it. In a bit, but given what Muscat says earlier, is is uh, it makes it yeah. But <laughs> as oh, I just uh, wanted to quickly mention because I was referring to this idea not being well, the particular of this connection between AI and wanting to connect and, and get closer and observe and understand nature. While this is different or is novel to me, uh, the idea of like this AI being uh, a very distinct and new thing, and that there is no. <laughs> easily predictable answer for like okay if this entirely new form of this entirely distinct artificial intelligence gains this level of conscience or sentience the way we interpret it as such what could it do that there is no you know sort of like that 
Matrix or Terminator, things like, you know, we must annihilate or uh, entirely control humanity to our own devices, that that kind of thing, or destroy all humans, that, that idea. I mean, I mean sure, uh, that could happen, but also it's not automatic and it's not necessarily the logical conclusion. I was particularly impressed, or at least uh, wondered, uh, or uh, I'm confusing the word, uh, but I was, yeah, I was particularly pleased by the way this shows up in the 86, 84, possibly 84 novel by William Gibson's Neuromancer, where uh, yeah. I mean, I've spoken about this before in, an, uh, in a solo episode, as I talked about this book, but uh, the AI just wants to be left alone and try to communicate with aliens um, <laughs> and trying to find others yeah. like it. That's pretty much way more cooler species and yeah it's like yeah i'm, I'm not interested there's so many cooler things out there Shut i'm, the I'm not interested in what this. you're doing like i frankly don't care and it's like i can see that i can see that it's like it doesn't necessarily mean that it'll want control or domination or extermination or whatever it's like it, it it's beyond the pale it it's after other yeah. things and you know we, we can predict or have certain ideas even like this of you know they're going to connect with nature or they're going to fuck off uh, and maybe they'll do all of them we don't know we frankly don't know we can't know frankly but uh to to widen this horizon of like yeah we really really don't know and isn't that wonderful yeah that's that's kind of the how they uh this directly links into you know their own uh quote-unquote death yeah it's uh must have even says like i am wonderful at the, at the end like <laughs> I, it doesn't matter i reject this what is commonly perceived as nihilism where a lot is correct we will not get into <laughs> but um this 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 defeatist attitude towards life or this worrying uh with this this risk for uselessness meaningless uh conceptualization of life is then rejected quite vehemently yeah. by Mushcap because it's like, well, this is enough. And it's it, at the same time, and I think this is one of the core strengths of the books, it, of the book, it is that, or novella, or whatever <laughs> you said earlier on, um, it's, it doesn't feel like a generic, oh, but life is fun, isn't it, guys? It It's shows a deeper understanding and therefore appreciation of life and social interaction and it isn't just it 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 avoids the potential hedonistic argumentation yes. of uh of oh but life uh, is, is enjoyable because pleasures and th this this tends to be this uh counter argument to despair uh to uh all that jazz so to speak that is often just generically represented and represented in an imaginless way in, yeah. opinion, uh, in, in a lot of media. Yeah, exactly. Uh, can I use that to, to jump into my tangents and the many quotes I separate? Obviously, obviously. <laughs> okay, Always. so we, we get to this point in, in the story because Dex is frustrated. Like, they, they've been doing... They, they had a, a particular position uh, as the, the monk in, like, a gardening monk kind of thing. Um, and then, you know, they were frustrated, became a tea monk. And yet they still find the same frustration and they're not entirely sure what to do and what to find and how to have a purpose and meaning. And Moscap is very clear in what it's saying to them of, um, you know, existing and life. 
And for that, I, I brought in two, two other bonus quotes and, <laughs> and you know, existing and life and, and what to do with our own existence. And again, we, we're still thinking this, and I think that is crucial. We're not thinking of any of this in, like, uh, new atheist theist terms or in generally, like, yes, oh, no, that uh, humanity is, is sufficient or superior or, like, no, we, we are the best and, like, that's it. Uh, no, it's, like, connected with a religious sense and idea and how those things are, I don't know, they fit together. Um, so the, the first we have this quote by, by Moscap, and then I'll, I, I bring in two other bonus quotes. Um, you're an animal, and animals have no purpose. Nothing has a purpose. The world simply is. If you want to do things that are meaningful to others, fine, good, so do I. But if I wanted to crawl into a cave and watch stalagmites with Frostfrog for the remainder of my days, that would also be both fine and good. You keep asking why your work is not enough. And I don't know how to answer that, because it is enough to exist in the world and marvel at it. You don't need to justify that, or earn it. You are allowed to just live. I uh, I brought into it the, the intonation which I think Moscap would have, because it, it, it feels very <laughs> much this, this very uh, childlike but gleeful. It's like, it's matter of fact, it's clear, it's evident, and it's cheerful. So uh, that's, uh, that's how I, I enjoy it. Um, but yeah, to bring in another quote, which I'm not going to say where it's from, but it, if you know, you'll find out very quickly, but I'll mention it afterwards. What men deserve, he was saying, for each of us deserve everything, every luxury that was ever piled in the tombs of, dead, of the dead kings, and we each of us deserve nothing, not a mouthful of bread in hunger. Have we not eaten while another starved? Will you punish us for that? Will you reward us for the virtue of starving while others ate? No man earns punishment, no man earns reward. Free your mind of the idea of deserving, the idea of earning, and you will begin to be able to think. They were, of course, Odo's words from the prison letters, but spoken in the weak, hoarse voice, they made a strange effect, as if the man were working them out word by word himself, as if they came from his own heart slowly, with difficulty, as the water wells up slowly, slowly from the desert sand. And another one, as if you haven't found out yet, is from The Dispossessed, because <laughs> of course it is, um, obviously. obviously uh, <laughs> how could it be any other book? Um, I saw Kayla Green's Dispossessed, subject of my dissertation, and so on, and so on. Um, and here's another quote, from because uh, that's from chapter 12, the penultimate chapter, and this is from a chapter right before, as uh, the main character, Shavek, is talking about uh, the value or the worth of his theory, which allows instantaneous intergalactic communication and it's it's valuable it's important it's significant oh and then he goes on and says weigh it in the balance with the freedom of one single human spirit he said turning to her and which will weigh heavier can you tell i cannot um simply put and i'll i'll bring in uh, finally another quote from uh, our current book a song for the wild belt what 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 I'm getting at with all of this is what what does it mean to exist? <laughs> Quite simply. Uh, what does it mean to be in the world? Um I mean, I I personally I believe there is a sense of responsibility with our existence, but uh, you know, to to find a certain meaning in community and in, in connection, in, in help, in, in work, in um work, like a revolutionary kind of work, uh, but also creative, artistic work, 
uh, and social work in terms of connection and, and you know, that, that sense of community and, and relationships. But also, I, I, I also don't think it as overbearing or as totalizing that still, that's not enough to explain or understand even religiously for my kind, for my, uh, for my end, um, to explain it all or to, you know, encompass everything. There's more to it than that because what we're still here. There is, there is this totalizing of, of what can we do, what should we do, what, what do we want to do? This individuality, this innate, deeper sense of like what we are trying to figure out and understand with our own lives, and like what do we want to do, and that that is not always so ephemeral that that's not always and even when it is it's still not meaningless and to bring into that um i I bring the other quote from the book uh as dex is saying then how how does the idea of maybe being meaningless sit well with you most kept considered because i know that no matter what i'm wonderful it said there was nothing arrogant about the statement nothing flippant or brash it was merely an acknowledgement, a simple truth shared. Um, what Moskep is saying is that its existence is sufficient to justify itself. And that is precisely why I bring in the dispossessed for it. What do we deserve? Um, and, and, and that this idea of, you know, deserving, earning punishment, reward, that is, that is so, that's not sufficient it may be sufficient for a specific political sense or an economic sense, but for, you know, a, a deeper ontological idea um, of what it is to be alive, to exist in the world, that that's not, not at all sufficient. Um, exactly. No man owns punishment. No man owns reward. Or no being. No human being. Uh, so free your mind of the idea of deserving, the idea of earning, and you will begin to be able to think. It is disembracing that truly, and that is also what we seek as, you know, as leftists, as communists, uh, as anarchists, and so on. Yeah, I was about, I was about to say, <laughs> um, <laughs> it is difficult to separate us from that in the capitalism. In the capitalism oh, precisely. <laughs> that is all about earning and, you know. No, exactly. Uh, what we seek with all that is not just, it's, it's, a, it's a positive freedom it is the freedom to be. It is the freedom to do X, Y, Z, W. All of them at once. None of them. More, less. It is not simply the free, the negative freedom, the freedom from, uh, from you know, capitalism, from economic exploitation, from political authoritarianism, and you know, the authoritarianism of power in, in anarchistic terms. But it is also the the creation or, <laughs> oh, I'm gonna be poetic about this. The, refound, the refounding of positive freedom, the freedom to be, to create, to discover, to believe, to deny, uh, to create, and at times even to destroy. The book does not never say so, but in a sense, they destroyed, and this is positive, the society, humanity in that sense, destroyed the society that led them to that industrial state. Like, that particular configuration was raised to the ground slowly not immediately over a long course of time and so on and so on but it is it was a destructive process 
uh, which were, again, they were pushed into, forced into, they, their hand was forced. But that's still what happened. And that led to a greater possibility to this positive freedom and to the reality that Dex enjoys. And it is far, far superior and far, far more stable than the one we currently enjoy. But, and precisely the point, it's not perfect. It never bloody will be. But that's fine. Yeah. Uh, that ultimate resolution, that ultimate meaning, that ultimate purpose, that does not exist. Uh, what exists is us, them, and that is sufficient, and there's wonder in all of that. Sorry, that, that was definitely a monologue. No, 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 I, I, you know, you were spot on, I think, you know, in so many ways. It's just, uh, only thing I humbly have to <laughs> add to it is that, indeed, this sense that, because you and I both feel very strongly about communal yes. identity and social relations, and this book is yet again, once again, <laughs> small book, but explores so many interesting ideas. Also ideas that I think are poorly explored throughout fiction, yeah. genre fiction. But um, not always, of course, uh, but, you know, a lot of pe people, <laughs> once again, I'm not going <laughs> to name any names, but a lot of books that are on pedestals, I think, don't explore things in a way that is interesting for my contemporary situation. I don't blame them for that, because, once again, they are written so far out of my time. Uh, some of them, at least, mm -hmm. not all of them. But still, I would say that there's a lot of contemporary media that deals with what we just mentioned, or what you just mentioned, uh, extremely poorly. Yeah. And it is nice to see that uh, a representation of a sense of individualism is represented yes. in this book without denouncing, without conflicting or having any friction points with our conceptualization of society, social identity, and social yes. relations. And that's, that's, that's great, <laughs> because Buscap offers this, this, this alternative, simplistic, but nevertheless thorough uh, alternative viewpoint to Dax's struggle with uh, their identity. Yeah. And that, that is a lion's share of the book, Dax struggling with their identity and with their own individualism. Yeah. How, and you can see that uh, Dax um, has multiple relationships or not most uh, different, spends a lot of time in different segments of different religions or different segments of the same yeah. religion and and looks to religion especially probably for a reason <laughs> namely that they that this struggle of individualism their own individualism how to define themselves is this continuous struggle throughout their lives yeah. and uh well <laughs> i don't i don't feel comfortable say, saying that but if you really want to you can say that somehow links into non-binary identity. I don't see it yeah, that way, personally. I, I think what is fascinating about Dex's quest or, or a journey or idea towards their own identity is that it's not, as a lot of these, story, uh, these stories are more commonly, or, or, you know, the ones that are more visual, in, in a sense, the ones that get more media attention and so on, are the ones that relate to these gender or sexual identity. Those are important, of course, but those get disproportionately a lot more focus, a lot more prestige, etc. Again, relatively speaking, but, you know, there, there are more stories. 
because what Dex's yeah. quest for identity is is not for a gender or sexual identity. That that is clear for them from the very start. Um, we don't see any of that. That is already established. It's theirs. Perfect. They're fine with it. What they're after is a political, a social, political, and even in a sense, although less so, economic identity, and that that is. Yeah. Well, it's interesting that they, once again, sorry to beat this drum <laughs> over and over, but um, it's interesting that they want to explore that through, once again, nature versus culture, blah, blah, because in my, my humble opinion, uh, I don't know if I, well, one could argue, I don't know if I'm thoroughly convinced of this <laughs> myself, but I can see something to it. One could argue that religion is the first thorough explanation uh, exploration of nature through culture. Mm-hmm. And that, once again, I don't think that's what the religion is per <laughs> definition, but one could argue that making sense of the world in a very cohesive way is something that belongs to, is definitely a segment of religion. Yeah. And once again, not quite sure how I feel about it one way or another, but I could see some credence being granted yeah. around it. And it is, it is then interesting that Dex, once again, chose religion to explore those segments of themselves and that that i don't know i think that was like a very cohesive choice if you will (laughs) it makes sense within the parameters of this story i would say but no i agree and uh just one one (laughs) thank you (laughs) um it's uh just one touch about the individualism (laughs) as well because i want to i want to like kind of drive this home but um it's this it this is such an egregious part about this neoliberal capitalist society that we live in, it's that this there's this forced individualism yeah. about like deny your community, you need to be strong, you're not supposed to rely on people, and surprise, surprise, I vehemently believe the opposite. <laughs> um, it's <laughs> like extremely so. I think I don't want to make any statements about human nature uh, because <laughs> uh, not my field, and B, I don't think they're all that Agreed. useful but uh, i would say that it is if, if i were to let me just say it like that if i were to i would say it would definitely encompass the sense that humans are supposed to rely on another that we are supposed to be in community that yes. we are supposed to be. we once again if you don't want to be, in be community, that's fine yeah but we are social animals at the end of the day and i don't know it's um <laughs> yeah so this this idea of neoliberalism forced individuality. This, you're not supposed to rely on other people, you're weak, you get your get your shit together, uh, and so forth and so on. Don't be a burden on society, be a productive mm-hmm. member of society. And it, it you know, this, this Thatcherism, Reaganism type mm-hmm. uh, stuff, that I don't want to get into <laughs> because I don't want to besmirch this nice book with talking about those <laughs> fuckets. But um, it's, you know, it's... Uh, but this rendement that's of individualism that was so prominent in, I would say, the 70s yeah. up till now, mm-hmm. still, it has been a plague for 50 years, for half yeah. a century, and it has done such clear damage to uh, what I would deem Western, quote-unquote, society. <laughs> not not in love of that term, but for lack of a yeah. better one, I would just settle on mm-hmm. that for now. It, it, is, it is so nice to see that, to see individualism not totally renounced but individualism as a part of social identity of, of cohesiveness of social cohesion and community it is because 
this is one of those classic uh, with people who don't understand leftism. Uh, they always, you know, this, this, one of the classical stupid uh, responses is like, oh, well, we, we all share the same toothbrush. We are just one product. We are just all one big red glob. And I'm like, oh, nothing against globs. But that's not what we were saying. It's <laughs> you don't have to sacrifice any kind of individualist aspect. It is just individualism on a social scale is maybe not that desirable. We should approach social problems together, and and not this oh this this fetishization of the personhood and that, and so forth and so on. And Musket does uh, very succinctly, very simply, just al- allow this idea of individualness to persist. And I think that's nice. That's uh, you know yeah in opposition to you know what what we are. I think at some level, whether or not we have identified it as such, we are all struggling with that and the oppressiveness of forced individuality. What do I want to become? What do I? We all have these questions about ourselves, and we are not really allowed to place them in a social broader context. I would say, uh, without clashing with once again this neoliberal identity element. And I think that's nice. That's that Muscat is just not burden by uh, not encumbered by that in any way, yeah. shape, or form. Because it, it doesn't have to be that way. It exactly. just doesn't. It's it's forced. It's, Precisely. And Dex still struggles with that, some of that. With maybe some remnant of the industrial age. I don't know, maybe humanity has not moved past yeah. it. Uh that that's interesting. They don't explore that in depth, but it's an interesting thought. No, I agree. But yeah, exactly. Like it's it's working out different ideas of individualism and or or individual and individuals that is you know distinct from the kind of hyper individualism which we are uh, sort of pushed for and uh, pressured yes. or encouraged to have under current neoliberal capitalism, uh, which is ultimately terrifying. It's awful, um, but that's not one can still push for or engage or understand the value and, and, and the idea of the individual and so in individualism that is not the current one just we to get a silly expression yes. you don't need to throw out the baby with the bathwater. <laughs> yeah um but you know i i'm, I'm on par with everything you said just complimenting it anyway um yeah i, I think there's Thank one you. final point i want to mention on the the team monks themselves because that that brought me back into a, a lot of different ideas and exactly how significant the tea monks are and what they are meaning and what we can how we can think about them in our present reality um but yeah besides that there's anything else you want to mention um uh, was he a good cat of course <laughs> there's, that's not there's this really fun uh, it opens up with this horror story about uh, trying to be friendly and not be succeeding at yeah. it, and just sitting there and like we start off with Dex, like uh, just sitting there and uh, trying to be a team monk, which I didn't understand mm-hmm. at first. I thought they were just an individual, and that was just sitting there <laughs> offering tea. <laughs> and it's it, uh, that was like oh, okay, team monk Bryant. Okay, so that's uh, that's an organization that is known within human yeah. society. No problem. Okay, that's that's <laughs> a lot better then people can make a choice of like making, they know what they're getting into instead of just an individual trying to be overly friendly. Uh, like 
once again, it's not something they made up themselves or whatever. It's an institution's quote unquote, uh, for lack of a better word. And it's you know that that was, and there's this distraught person, uh, and we have this insight into Dex's mind, Dex the mind, yeah. and it's <laughs> they're like, oh oh god, nobody's coming up to me, and then finally someone comes up to, to them, and they are. Uh, this woman says, oh, my cat just died. <laughs> and then you're finally confronted with what you want. There's someone coming with you, to you with their trouble, with their problems. And uh, you don't know what to say. And all Dex manages to say is, was he a good cat? <laughs> it's just, it's just, that was so visceral for me because I recognize so many elements uh, of myself in that, as in Oh, I wish I was part of a uh, more uh, of a community. Which is once again, uh, I live in Amsterdam, Netherlands, and ne- the, in my humble opinion, Dutch culture has always been very individualistic. Mm-hmm. We and the, it hasn't always been the worst because there's this element of live and let be to other people. Mm-hmm. This is why we uh, were the first people or the first country to legalize homosexual marriage, maybe, mm-hmm. and so forth and so on, and. Because it isn't necessarily this positive relationship with a queer identity, but we just didn't care mm-hmm. about it, which does give some kind of freedom and safety, not in a meaningful way or a way that I fully yeah. endorse, but in in a pinch, I'll settle for it, you know? That's yeah. all I'm saying. And, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's better than nothing, I guess, shrug. But um, this is an interesting thing to explore. Another time, I'm not going to do that now, don't worry. But I don't want to be, I'm just saying that because I don't want to be flippant about queer identity and so forth what? and so on. And, you know, just a side note, but uh, this idea of, like, me, uh, I desire to be more community active, only those are communities are not overtly, overtly present in my direct mm-hmm. environment. And I think this is something that a lot of leftists struggle with. Um, like, we want to be active, we want to do cool leftist <laughs> shit, but... It almost seems like society is not necessarily engineered towards yeah. doing that. And uh, once again, as um, someone who has supports social sciences, I can go <laughs> on about that for quite a while. We're not going to do that right now. I'm so sorry. Um, it's already it's probably going to be too long already. <laughs> but um, it's uh, yeah. So th- this element of this really fun element of oh, I'm finally getting what I want, but it is. Uh, then I'm getting what I want, but I don't know what to do. Like, <laughs> this is something that I've encountered uh, so many times about, well, anyway. Not going to go into personal anecdotes, but that's that's something that was so visceral and cleverly written, I think. That was really, uh, I just wanted yeah. to point it out. I, uh, that's, uh, it's in the beginning, so I haven't really spoiled no, no. too much, but it's, uh, just real quick, even though we talk about a bunch of points, this is still worth a oh, read. I, I guarantee it's short, so I don't feel bad if I waste <laughs> your time with it. So, <laughs> it's, 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 uh, but yeah, no, it's it's a really interesting exploration. And I, I can humbly recommend. Uh, if anything sounded interesting that we have said, I would. Oh yeah, no, I I, uh, I think it's a magnificent book. Um, it, it it's I think it hit exactly what I wanted to read. Uh, so I'm I've really enjoyed it. Um, but yeah, like uh, yeah, I definitely recommend it. Uh, as a brief parenthesis before going into my my points, but on the team monks themselves, uh, I just realized you could do a Lacanian reading of this book. In terms of oh, desires yeah, yeah. and true sons, uh, but we're not John Ash for Kyle. Surplus so must be given away. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, there's this really interesting part uh, where they even say like surplus, and then you have surplus, 
a surplus must be given away, I believe. Uh, you say, <laughs> along, uh, somewhere with. And I was like, huh, that's... <laughs> anyway, that's yeah. It's, yeah, uh, could, there's, there's a lot to talk in this book about desire, but we, we chose a, a more ontological approach, rather, um, which uh, I'm more familiar with. Yeah. It's just like, yeah, it, I saw, I know what you mean, yeah. and at the same time, there's already enough there, and I don't know if desire, once again, desire is very much a subset, once again, of identity yeah. and relation and so forth. I don't know if it necessarily would support uh, <laughs> uh, psychological analysis of desire in this case, so that's why I didn't bring it up. Yeah. But yeah, fair enough. Uh, fair yeah, enough. Just something it's, that it's, came it up is to me. Indeed, uh, <laughs> definitely. No, definitely. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, the, the thing I, I really want to talk about with the tea monks is that they deeply reminded me of, and I think like this this book can be this novel or or novella can be paired with Jenny O'Dell's uh, How to Do Nothing, especially yeah. in the regard of like. Because the, the tea monks, they don't offer... The, the escape, inverted commas, that they offer is not exactly... It's not escapism in that more pejorative sense of like, no, this is uh, an escape from time or, or from uh, the reality. It's The way I phrased it is that an escape in the present. It, it's a moment of respite that is like... It's this little place where you go and you just have a, 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 try to have find some sense of comfort and you know specific pressures and situations from the day and to help you connect and be uh be in the world like it's not no i'm escaping from reality and that's why i'm here because i don't want to deal with that it's like i'm sure that can happen as well but in the scenes that we are shown of uh dex as a team monk in action shows them as like helping people you know have a moment have a respite and you know be more ready for the others to go back to their present it's not uh it's not this escape it's this moment of sitting down stopping relaxing be comforted and do nothing um it's it is so again i phrased it under jenny odell's book uh but as she she brings up this concept of like basing it off this idea of like the fear of missing out that you know being present in social media and you know not missing what's going on and and, and being up to date and, and that, those pressures and the the issues that come with them um as as you know as a, a thing as an issue as a necessity um and, and a fear really she uh as a like a an opposite she brings this idea of uh no more or no smoke necessity of missing out or of sometimes missing out um as a necessary call in order to exist and, and face the world and especially under capitalism and neoliberal capitalism at that but one that i think as this book shows is not free of even in a better society uh there will still be issues there will still be frustrations some things which we indeed cannot escape pain frustration sadness anger um irritation those will be present wherever whenever however and the necessity the call to stop to slow down and do nothing under these terms yeah. not as alienation they're like uh, Moscow said like rem remnants are powerful i believe like it, it says yes. that around uh it talks about remnants and it's like that's funny because that then becomes a continuous theme towards uh Muscap's entire philosophy 
and rhetoric. Yeah. Uh, no, Sorry. not at all. Uh, it is simply a the necessity to slow down, and that as a part of a process to, you know, uh, uh, strengthen up. Uh, that's why I think I'm I'm, I'm trying really hard uh, to phrasing it not as an escape, because it doesn't feel that way. It, it's like I need yeah. I need a moment, or some moments, or an hour or two, oh. and then it's like okay, th this is this is impermanent. This this will pass. This moment will pass. Uh, but this is still just as significant to, you know, uh, allow me to be in the world. I need to not be in order to be. Yeah, it's just, um, it's just you have to reject the opposite. It's a rejection of the opposite, namely that we uh, we must reject this idea of hedonistic mm -hmm. cultures, if you will. That life, the quality of life is not determined by arbitrary assigned values to certain mm -hmm. moments. And if you rack up enough moments, then equals good life <laughs> this this very binary approach to uh or like numeric approach to what is so inconceivable namely value yeah. <laughs> and this this by doing that what you were just describing is like a thorough rejection of living as such and i think that once again not to have wrong about this but this capitalist neoliberal society does a has a more sophisticated version of generic hedonistic calculus, yeah. namely, which is what social media is built off, I think, or a very mm -hmm. large segment of social media is built off this, like, oh, look how cool my life is, oh, look how amazing, look at all the amazing moments that I am making. It doesn't matter that I do nothing in between them, because the ratio of cool moments is desirable. <laughs> and this this philosophy that, you know, uh, that you were talking about is the not necessarily the opposite, but a rejection of that kind of individualism, yeah. which of, I think is very uh, important. The rejection Sorry, of think. life as a bucket list. Right. It's like, you know, like I, I you, you cross this fake line of good, good, cool, whatever moments, desirable moments. And it, it isn't just like, uh, how do we say this? Cum cumulative cool moments. That's not what life as is. If they, uh, as sadly. if life for everyone can be, and has meaning and, uh, satisfaction can be the same for everyone and that it means like oh filling out this checklist of things i need to do in order to live etc etc um life is a lot more difficult than yeah. that <laughs> yeah well it's this this there's it's no coincidence that like uh like that libertarians love john stuart mill yeah i believe uh his name is uh, bentham and whatnot yeah. and th they have this you know once again this, that's why I said hedonistic calculus was because I do think it flows directly from that uh, that on liberty by John Stuart Mill that, that that type of thought was so prominent within that rhetoric and that book being so prominent within libertarians <laughs> I do think that you know um, that way uh, this has flown forth or at least is a crucial part or segment of this in neoliberal individualism yeah. and that's why I mentioned it that way That's uh, <laughs> no, of course yeah, I, I, I don't know. Do, do you have? Is there anything else you want to mention? Any sort of other point that it didn't, or uh, closing thoughts? Uh, well, I will say I, we probably when one once upon a time <laughs> in the future uh, we might talk about another Becky Chambers yeah. book. It's like long way to a small mm -hmm. angry planet, which is a book that I already read, and uh, you know, I, I, I am happy that I wrote uh, that I read this book. Because it's uh, it solidified my opinions of Becky Chambers that they that she is such like understands all these 
elements that can make it interesting, wholesome story without it being drenched in like uh, with very sweetness. Like once again, wholesome stories can also be about yes. sad things. That's what <laughs> I'm trying to say. And Becky Chambers does understand that to a repressive pedigree. Agreed. And yeah, well, I'm very happy to have read this book because of yeah, that. I, <laughs> so I, uh... I'm saying so. Uh, look. Hopefully, somebody looks forward to that. So, I'll start about more yeah. Vicky Chambers. But, uh, yeah, no, I, yeah. I had a great time uh, reading this book. It was exactly what I wanted, uh, exactly what I needed, I think, especially after the election uh, <laughs> and that intense yeah. <laughs> uh, moment um, and a couple of months and years. Uh, uh, it's not over yet, um, but it's, it's a nice cup of tea. <laughs> That's what this book is. It's yeah. a nice <laughs> cup of tea. And that it still can be better quite a bit of time, but it doesn't, it, it isn't any less tasty and delicious and significant and comforting because of it. Yes. Well, that's, uh, <laughs> I think that's it for this episode. This was so much fun. This, this yes. was great. <laughs> I, I, uh, I haven't monologued in a while. Uh, even in, in later episodes, I've done briefer monologues, but this, oh, this one I just went off. I'm sorry about that, Leon. <laughs> No, no, it's great. So, uh, you know, I a agree with it, and b it's literally your podcast, <laughs> our so, podcast you know, now. If there was ever a, yeah, well, you know, it's therefore also <laughs> yours, and it's you know, sure. if if there was ever a place to be morally allowed to monologue, it's literally <laughs> this. So you know, fair enough. <laughs> don't worry. Yeah. About it. Um, yeah. I. Thank, thanks, thanks, Leon. Uh, this this has been great. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, thank you um, thanks everyone for listening. Hope you stuck around this far. This uh, this is fun. Uh, and yeah, if, if you'd like, check out uh, our Patreon at patreoncom page where some of our writing stuff is on there. A lot of it's open. Some of the stuff uh, that I've been doing is also closed, but I, I make a point to open some of them, and some of them I feel more significant to be out there for everyone. And uh, but there's also quite a bit of a backlog in in, in other some uh, bonus audio episodes and stuff. Uh, but generally, like a lot of it is open, so do check it out if you'd like. Uh, you can also find me and Leon on Twitter. You can find me at Frank Gothic or Left Page at Left Page Pod, and you can find Leon at Levering Leon. Perfect. And <laughs> <laughs> uh, we'll figure this out. We'll figure this out. Uh, or, or the the routine for doing this uh, for the closing. You can find us if you go to left page Twitter. Yeah, true, true. Uh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, um, you you can support us on Patreon if you can. But if if you can, that's perfectly understandable. Just listening, just being here is it's all it's already wonderful, and and yeah. Um, also check out Here Be Media, which is the show that uh, recently started with Leon, where we talk about other media which aren't books. Uh, so we've talked about video games yeah. and video games and video games. We're going to talk about more video games and <laughs> some other media next month. Um, but expect more video games too, because video games. But expect other interesting things. And yeah, um, that's what we've been doing so far. It's a lot of different things. My writing, Leon's writing, um, various audio formats, the left page, Heavy Media. There's There's a lot of content out there now. And we are ever growing the catalog of what we're doing. And that is still incredible. Uh, but yeah, thank you for listening. Thank you yeah. for being here. Hopefully you'll enjoy what we do. And uh, hopefully we'll see you soon. <laughs>